Hello, Marvelites! You're listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 626. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I am Angelique Roche. This is the official Marvel podcast where we're going to talk about all the things happening this week in Marvel. Oh yeah, we're going to be talking about games, comics, books, toys, movies, TV, or whatever we're excited about, which is including lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of all of the things, because... New York Comic Con just happened, and there's so many things. So many things. We're also going to have a Marvel Insider Code for you later in the episode, and we have a really great conversation. Oh, yeah. This week, we're talking to Stephanie Phillips about mm-hmm. Cap. Woo! Yep, that is right. So it's Cap Wolf and the Howling Commandos. I'm so excited. Yeah. But before we get into all the things we're excited about, we do want to take a moment uh, for uh, a little somber news because recently uh, we learned about the passing of comics icon and creator Keith Giffen. Keith just brought life to so many incredible stories and characters through his work, including, of course, Rocket Raccoon and many others across the industry. Uh, Marvel as a whole, our thoughts and, and feelings are with his family and friends and loved ones. All right. Now, if you have not caught up on everything New York Comic Con, go to marvel.com slash NYCC. That'll give you everything. We've got lots of trailers, lots of videos, recaps, panel reports, all that good stuff. But we're going to start and and just thread a lot of that through here, starting with some big stuff that we we officially, you know, sort of put our stake in. The rise and fall of the X-Men's Krakoan age is revealed. Uh, I've been waiting for this, man. I've been waiting for this for so long. Revealed at New York Comic Con. It's it. I'm not, I don't know if I'm even ready to 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 say this title. Fall of the House of X. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Jerry Duggan uh, and the Lucas Wernick. Rise of the Powers of X by Karen Gillan and R.B. Silva. Oof, 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 oof. So, so good. Oh my God! So, uh, of course, um, as as all of us did when we when we picked up Hox Pox for the first time, uh, I can only imagine that each of these books are going to be incredible. Um, they're actually going to be delivering half the story uh, in the same kind of uh, pattern, so you're going to have to read them both to understand what's going on. Um, that will bring the Krakoan Age to its conclusion uh we had a trailer you can watch that trailer on youtube and marvel.com but part of that trailer was also getting to talk about the resurrection of magneto by al ewing and luciano vecchio and just just kisses all around what it's so good uh that's gonna be kicking off in january and that's the sort of the beginning of the end for the krakoan age but it's going to go out in big, big style. Uh, in more X-Men stuff, we also announced a new series coming in January, Dead X-Men, which I don't know how we've never done that title before, but I am in for it. Steve Fox, who is great. Steve Fox is writing with a, a, an amazing array of Marvel artists. We've got Vincenzo Caruto, Bernard Chang, Jonas Scharf. It's a four-issue limited series, and it's going to sort of go into some key moments in reality's past that paved the way to Krakoa. We're going to have a team of fallen mutants going through history by Professor X on this really 
desperate mission to reverse Krakoa's fate. But uh, we've got a just gorgeous cover by Pere Perez uh, for this. And we'll get into that full team. You get you get a sense of who the team is. We're not fully talking about it all right now. But you get a sense of who that team is. You can check it all out on Marvel.com. Okay, can I say it now? Yes. I can yes. say it now? Marvel Spider-Man 2 is here. Oh, we can talk about it. Oh, it's been it's been two weeks, Ryan. It's been very hard for me. I know. But you know what? What we should do before we even get into our thoughts about it and impressions and our loving, gushing excitement, we're going to hear from product development manager for Marvel Games, Laura Hathaway, to give us a little bit of a previously on Marvel Spider-Man to catch everybody up just in case you don't remember every single cool detail about the previous two games. Let's hear from Laura. So Marvel's Spider-Man um, takes place about eight years after Peter Parker has become Spider-Man. So he's more experienced. He's good at being Spider-Man. He's put many bad guys away. And he's working at a lab with his mentor, Otto Octavius. Very clearly nothing will go wrong there. Um and then he's also trying to figure out his regular life. You know, he has bills to pay. He has his on-again, off-again girlfriend, Mary Jane. And and he's also helping his Aunt May at Feast, which is a shelter that's run by Martin Lee. Again, what could go wrong? So after he defeats Wilson Fisk, also known as Kingpin, um, there's this crime void left in the city. Um, and it looks to be filled by a guy named Mr. Negative, kind of mysterious, as well as his inner demons, um, and they're seeking this thing called Devil's Breath, which no one really knows what it is. Meanwhile, we also meet a young kid named Miles Morales. Um, his father, Jeff Davis, helped Spider-Man thwart a demon attack. And so he's being honored by City Hall. Um, of course, unfortunately, Mr. Lee attacks City Hall and Jefferson Davis is killed in the process. Um, so Miles and Peter form this bond uh, since they both really understand loss uh, in their lives. Ultimately, Otto Octavius uh, gets sort of obsessed with his project, creating these enhanced limbs, becoming Dr. Octopus in the meantime. Um, he, there's this huge breakout in the raft and all of these villains that Spider-Man has once defeated kind of ex- escape and rampage the entire city. Um, and we find out that Otto Octavius is planning to release Devil's Breath into Marvel's New York, which he does in the middle of Times Square. So Peter and MJ are trying to figure out a way to cure this devil's breath. And in the meantime, um, MJ sort of goes into an Oscorp laboratory, finds where the antidote for devil's breath would be, and leaves with a special friend, which is a spider that ends up biting Miles Morales. Through all of this, Aunt May gets sick with devil's breath, and then Peter is put in this really insane position to try to decide whether or not he's going to save the city or his aunt may and he ends up making the heroic decision to save the entire city and may passes away so at the end of the game we have you know foes are defeated relationships are rekindled um and then we end the game with two different spider people Um, we also of course released uh, marvel spider-man miles morales in 2020 which is a continuation of this story Uh, Miles has moved to East Harlem with his mother, Rio. Peter leaves the city in Miles' care when he goes to Simcaria with MJ. And then while, you know, Marvel's New York is under Miles' watch, this group called the Underground, led by the Tinkerer, starts attacking Roxxon, who's built this huge building in East Harlem. Um, We later discover that the leader of the Underground is Miles' childhood friend named Finn Mason, 
Um, and she's seeking revenge on Roxanne for the death of her brother. Um, we also meet Miles' uncle Aaron, discover he is the Prowler, um, who is also working for Roxanne. It's very complicated. Families are tough. Um, and then Miles finally thwarts the Tinkerer's plan to blow up the Roxanne building uh, by absorbing the power of the new form reactor. Um, and then Finn realizing that she doesn't want, you know, all of East Harlem to be blown up. She uh, flies Miles up into the air, thus sacrificing herself so that Miles can release all this energy without harming anybody. Um, so that's sort of where we find at the end of that story are uh, Spider-Men. Both are experienced, both have done their fair share of uh, crime fighting um, and are becoming a really great team along with uh, MJ, along with uh, Genki Lee, who's also Miles' friend and his, you know, sort of guy in the chair. Thank you, Laura. You're the best. Wonderful, wonderful. All right, Angelique, on a scale of one to one million, what do you give it? 22, 45, 87 trillion. <laughs> Perfect. You're uh, welcome. It's it's so good. Game of the year. Of course. We love it. We love it. We love it. Um, it is is everything we loved about the first two games, you know, Marvel Spider-Man and Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales, but like bigger and more. The best thing about it, I mean, there's a lot of good things about it, is when Miles and Peter are talking, and they both, are you okay, Spider-Man? Yeah, I'm all right, Spider-Man. Hey, Spider-Man. And I'm like, what? This is everything that I've always wanted. So good. There's there's so many, like, amazing things about it. Like, sometimes, you know, there's, like, the crimes that happen throughout the city. And sometimes you'll just, like, pop in, and the other Spider-Man is already there fighting. And you're just like, oh, Spider-Man, you need some help. And then you like, teaming up, and you do team-up moves. You, and then your finishers are with the other Spider-Man. Oh, How so cool good. is that? Uh, there's the web wings just is a game changer. It's just a game changer. So clutch. The graphics are insane. You can still do tricks with miles. There's a way to skill up, not just miles, not just Peter, but both of them. Mm -hmm. And for them to share different technology. These games are not disconnected. They are completely connected. Folks are coming back. There's, there are callbacks yeah. Um, to all the other games, for those of us who are completionists, uh, who need all of the trophies, you've got the same thing where you've got to, you know, scavenger hunt and do things. You've got the same, like, heartbreaking side missions. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I, I love is that even the collection things, like there's these little spider bots you got to collect. There's a story built around that, and there's a story connect. And so you, like, are driven to want to do it, not just to, like collect things but to learn the story and i think that's so intrinsic to what marvel is and so kudos oh, yeah. to the marvel games team and insomniac games mm -hmm. for making mm -hmm. stories such an important part of everything everything yeah everything also the spider bots are so adorable they're so adorable it's amazing it is wonderful we love it love it love it it is officially available hope you all are playing it today this weekend and you will be playing it for quite a while it's a game you can come mm -hmm. back to oh there's going to be a ton of stuff out there. Try not to get spoiled. The story is incredible. Venom, Craven, Miles, Peter, everything that goes around with it. Marvel Spider-Man 2, greatest. Greatest, greatest, greatest. Uh, speaking of uh, new things coming out, um, you had some announcements for this week in uh, Marvel Move, dude. Yeah, so Marvel Move, uh, we are releasing the final week of our Thor and Loki 5K training. It's the big finale. We've got Hela, Niflheim, Leah snakes 
dead things, a giant final battle, a big trip across the all the realms, a lot of returning um, characters. It's a lot of fun. It wraps up that uh, that big story. We also had a Marvel Move panel at New York Comic Con, which was awesome. But on the panel, we announced two things. We announced Captain America, Turkey Trot, which is a special story slated for Thanksgiving in which you, as the runner, join Captain America through the streets of New York City into a giant generic parade for the the day of Thanksgiving as you chase down Batroc Zilliped. And then we also announced that we're doing an Ant-Man New Year's Day five meter race. Yes, five meter. So it is written by Jerry Duggan uh, and you are shrunk down super teeny tiny. And you uh, you have Scott Lang's Ant-Man suit and you got to save the day and maybe the Avengers. So normally five meters is like you know, yes. just a couple of, it's like 15 feet, right? Uh, but when you are super teeny tiny, it is massive and huge. It's going to be a wild, weird, silly story that uh, written only as Jerry can do. That'll be coming in the new year and the turkey trot will be coming this November. Uh, so yeah, fun stuff. All right. And Women of Marvel are back this week. Of course, um, there was the Women of Marvel panel at New York Comic Con. But we're talking about the Women of Marvel podcast, and they're going to be doing Women of Marvel Storm. This week, hosts Ellie Pyle and Preeti Chipper talk about our favorite goddess, Storm, and her incredible, powerful influences, not just on the Marvel universe, but like popular culture in general. Um, they talk to comics writer Anne Nacenti, X-Men the Animated Series, writer Julia Leewald, and cosplayer. Vicky Bain and Daxclamation Point about why they love to step into Storm's shoes, like literally. Uh, and by the way, if the name Daxclamation Point sounds familiar, that's because she was not only on Marvel's Voices in one of the first seasons, she was a season eight contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, you can find Women of Marvel wherever you get your podcast and be sure to subscribe and leave a five star review. Yes, you know what else gets five-star reviews, even though we don't have reviews? Jeff the Land Shark, because it's Jeff, returns for season three. Uh, also announced at the Women of Marvel panel at New York Comic Con, writer Kelly Thompson and artist duo Giruhiru bringing Jeff the Land Shark back for It's Jeff, season three, starting today. Now, October 20th, it's begun, it's happening, it's real, it's awesome. More adventures for Jeff in the It's Jeff Infinity comic with issue number 25 and on. Revealed at the Women of Marvel panel at New York Comic Con, Marvel's Voices Loki presents number 75. The new Marvel's Voices story is written by, oh, my sweet, sweet, sweet friend, Carla Pacheco, with art by Roberta Ingranata and colorist Fer Sefuente Sujo, uh, and will debut on Marvel Unlimited in November 2023. Speaking of um, Loki, Loki season two, episode three, it's coming for you. It's there. It's waiting it's for here. you. It's here. Yeah. It's 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 there on Disney Plus, waiting for you. Just a press play, and it is the episode I've been most excited about because we are going back, 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 back. Well, we went back, but you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. to 1893, the Chicago's World's Fair, y'all. I am so ready for Victor Timely. You have no idea. Yeah. Um, this, you know, we've we've seen a little scene related to this in the MCU already in Marvel Studios, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. But this is really getting into it, seeing how this ties into everything that's going on with the TVA, with uh, Loki's big mission in this season. 
it's kind of, part of it is like madcap and part of it is really intense and fun and there's a wild miss minutes thing and there's just like little bits and pieces it just it's a great episode um leading into i think episode four is like super wild next week and this one is it's wonderful and and really starts to like bring in the connectivity pieces of, of what they're trying to do um and victor timely i love him i love uh, victor timely. correct of course marvel studios loki season two streaming only on Disney Plus. Yay. All right. So this isn't a contest. No. Oh, but maybe it's a contest of champions. Marvel contest of champions. We have some new updates that came out of New York Comic Con. At the show, the team announced the newest champion. It's an original champion for the game. Her name is Chilth, and she is a First Nation hero created by a team of First Nations people. It's wonderful, wonderful stuff. Chilth joins the contest in November, so very, very soon. There is a wonderful video on our site and social media pages that goes into her creation, the thought behind her, her powers. She's got these cool spirits that um, have given her her powers. She shows heroism, and she's rewarded for it. She's got freaking like this this axe and this armor, these cool tattoos. She looks awesome she's gonna be very very cool i hope we someday get to see her in the comics as well but right now you will see her in marvel contest of champions additionally uh the battle realm brawl finals are this weekend they uh some of the semis probably going on as you're listening to this maybe the finals going on as you listen to this it's the big tournament to crown the greatest marvel contest of champions player you can watch the brawls live or even on vod at twitch.tv slash kabam check those out and as part of some of these updates and, and this Battle Realm Brawl, there's a new big bad in the story. Its name is Serastes, a corrupted version of Iron Man, looking real cool, really like gnarly messed up armor. So definitely check out all that stuff if you are a Marvel Contest of Champions player. I love it. You know what else I love? What do you love? New Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver comics are coming. Uh, so also announced at New York Comic Con, a new Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver comic series is on the way. Uh, it is in celebration of the duo's 60th anniversary. They don't look a day over 50. Uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver <laughs> number one launches this upcoming February. Uh, the limited series will be an evolution of Steve Orlando and Lorenzo Tometa's current Scarlet Witch ongoing series, which is amazing. Also perfect is a new Infinity comic series that we announced at the Marvel Next Big Thing panel to wondrous applause and a trailer. It is called... A pause? Oh, yeah. Much a pause for Infinity Pause coming to Marvel Unlimited Spring 2024. And here to tell us a little bit more about it is the writer of this momentous series, Jason Lowe. Infinity Pause is the biggest crossover with, with, with all your favorite Marvel pets, including Dr. Shapiro, Lucky the Pizza Dog, Chewie, Jeff the Land Shark, Cosmo the Space Dog, Alligator Loki... Who else? We like every pet you can name. They're in it. Uh, even bats. But yeah, it, it's going to be a, a ten issue miniseries, and I'm so excited to be working with Marvel Meow's writer and artist Neo Fuji, who is has just a very charming, delightful style in their work, and and I, I just 
I just can't wait for everyone to enjoy the furry and scaly love that we're going to bring to this series. I'm ready for this. Also, the cover is so good. I know. So that's coming in uh, spring 2024 to Marvel Unlimited. But we also announced a brand new Avengers series coming to Marvel Unlimited right now. It's there. It is. It has already begun. So Avengers United number one kicks off a 25 chapter Avengers epic as Earth's mightiest heroes assemble in response to an impending interstellar disaster. I love alliteration. Uh, the comic is written by Derek Landy with art by Marcio Fiorito and colorist Eric Arseniega. Um, and the first two issues are out now. Uh, new issues will release every Every Thursday on Marvel Unlimited. Also, there's more Avengers. That's not it. We've got Avengers Twilight, a new vision of Marvel's tomorrow. And when there's a creative team like Chip Sadarsky and Daniel Acuna, you, you gotta you gotta know the Age of Heroes is gonna have a twist. Uh, and in this one, the Age of Heroes is over, but the future will still need to be avenged. Uh, so in a gleaming new world of prosperity, Captain America is no more. But Steve Rogers still exists, floating through an America where freedom is an illusion, uh, where the Avengers are strangers and his friends are long dead. But is the dream? Is the dream dead, Ryan? Uh, I don't think so. It's a six-issue series. It is coming starting in January, and it's going to be Amazing. Um, but for those of us who love vampires, because it's still October, and they don't believe that we have talked enough about vampires, mm. werewolves, mm. ghosts, um, mm. um, um, just specters of all the sorts. Um, so the question is, Ryan Panagos, yeah, who will bite it? Uh, <laughs> what a great tagline. Uh Blood Hunt, the big Marvel Comics crossover event for spring 2024. It is vampires out and about. Um, Yeah, this is this is sort of like you see everything that writer Jed McKay has been working on from Moon Knight to Doctor Strange to Avengers, especially Moon Knight and some Doctor Strange stuff with magic and with vampires. This is all coming to a head. This is going to be a huge series. It's going to tie into a lot of other books, but the main series written by Jed McKay, art by Sweet Boy. Pepe Larraz. Pepe. And colors by Marte Gracia. So you know it's going to look better than everything else in the world, but it's coming next year. This is our big, big story, and um, it's it's going to be pretty dang cool. We will get more into it when we get closer. And as we've talked about on the show before, there is going to be a new Ultimate Universe where a lot of stuff was talked about in New York Comic Con. And that includes some of the first books in the line. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man by Jonathan Hickman and Marco Coquetto. Ultimate Black Panther by Brian Hill and Stefano Caselli. Ultimate X-Men by The Peach Momoko, and they're all launching earlier next year. It's so cool because these represent the initial sagas set in the all-new Ultimate Realm, marking the perfect place for new fans and longtime comic readers to jump 
in at the ground level. Um, And this is going to be the next big chapter of Marvel Comics storytelling. The beginning of Marvel's new Ultimate line kicks off with Ultimate Universe number one. It hits stands on November 1st, written by Jonathan Hickman and art by Stefano Caselli. We also had new comics out this week. Yeah, we did. Uh, We had new comics this week, and that means it is time for our favorite comics. Daredevil number two. By, written by Saladin Ahmed, art by Aaron Cooter, with colors by Jesus Abertov. I, I told this to Aaron, who's a friend. I got to hang out with Aaron a whole bunch. Um, he, he goes so hard. It, Daredevil goes so... His work is so good. It's so gorgeous. Uh, Matt is Father Matt. He's a priest and going through some stuff and dealing with different things. So this... He's it just it's beautiful. He's got some big new problems that he has to deal with. And the uh, last page reveals like, oh, dang. Matt, your friends, what's going on there? I will leave that at that. Uh, so that was really good. Then we got Moon Knight number 28 is one of the picks. It is uh, the, I guess, kind of the kickoff to the the big last days of Moon Knight storyline, even though it's been kind of going on for a little while. This is sort of officially it. But you get uh, Moon Knight making his assault on the Black Spectre, going up against the people who are trying to kill him. And look, we've told people, Moon Knight dies in issue 30. So what's going on here? It's all about the telling of it. You got Moon Knight, Hunter's Moon, Tigra, and Eight Ball together. It is big. It is fun. It's a very fast, action-packed, but also emotional storyline. I just, if you've not been reading Moon Knight, you could jump in this and see where we're going, and then you're going to want to go back and check it out. That's why I chose that one because I think it's really, really solid issue. Written by Jed McKay, art by Federico Sabatini and Rochelle Rosenberg. And then third pick was Sensational She-Hulk number one. Come on. Like, we've got a new She-Hulk, and it is it is a beautiful issue. It has got ton of amazing variant covers. Just bonkers variant. That Adam Hughes cover is like, holy smokes. Kari uh, yeah. Andrews in here. Some really beautiful stuff. But uh, the covers, some of them break the fourth wall, but then you open up the issue, kicks off with smooching. It brings in the relationship stuff between... <laughs> Jen and Jack of Hearts. It's got the return of Punch Club, which is basically just like a bunch of superpowered, strong people who get to fight each other with no consequences to like just lay out some steam. Uh, there's a bunch of comics this week, uh, but if you want full list of Marvel comics on sale this week, check the link in our show notes, head to marvel.com. But coming up soon, we're going to have our chat with Stephanie Phillips about Cap Wolf and the Howling Commandos. We'll be back right after this. All right, you are listening to This Week in Marvel. I am Angelique Roche. And I'm Ryan Panagos. All right, so I am so ready to talk to Stephanie Phillips about Cap Wolf and the yes. Howling Commandos. Yes. I cannot wait for y'all to see Stephanie Phillips's like vision for Cap Wolf. But you know what? Don't don't take it from me. Uh, you should just go pick up the book. Uh, You can pick up the book after you listen to this conversation with Stephanie Phillips. Stephanie Phillips, what is going on? How are you? Great. How are you doing? You know what? Every day is a fracking adventure. (laughs) Perfect. I love it. I'm so excited. You got 
so many things going on. Um, like, I, honestly, I'm really just here for uh, the Howling Commandos. I want to be very clear. Um, I think that the Howling Commandos should be used any and everywhere at all times. I like the Marvel horror stuff a lot. And I was... Um... I was pretty excited. Like, I wanted to do the Howling Commandos um, and, like, a World War II cap story. And it was actually, like, the the first conversation I ever had with Marvel. They were like, what is your dream project? And I was like, a World War II Captain America story. Um, and then the next day I got a call back that was like, we think we can make it happen, but how do you feel about Cap Wolf? And I was like, very <laughs> positively. I feel very positively about that. So like, did you somehow make my idea better? Thanks. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, and, it, you know, it's not your first time at the rodeo, right? Like you've worked on Cosmic Ghost Rider, Rogue and Gambit. Oh, have a lot of <laughs> about that. Um, Star Wars, Return of the Jedi, Lando. Uh, what if Dark Venom? I mean, you've done a thing like you've also like just there's some very complicated, complex, middle of the road, gray men folk you have written. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even like connect that, but um, yeah, I mean, I guess I think that's really interesting to me. Characters that uh feel maybe a little bit more real because they're not. Uh, which is funny because I do love Captain America very dearly and I feel like he is, you know, he's lovingly referred to as a Boy Scout. Uh, but I, I do think that characters with the gray areas like Gambit and people that work back and forth for redemption or slip up, I, I think those characters are really interesting. I love it. I mean, look, you don't have a PhD for nothing, um, but... <laughs> I will say, uh, I want, you know, we're going to get to talk about some of your upcoming stuff that we've, um, we're very excited about. Obviously, Spider-Man Annual Number 1, Contest of Chaos, and what you've alluded to is Cap Wolf and the Howling Commando. <laughs> See, I got it that time. Um, but I got to know, like, what's your Marvel origin story? Um, it's, it's not a very exciting one. I mean, it's, um, I've known CB Sibolsky for a long time. Um, and I was kind of, I was at DC for a while. And then I just had this conversation with, with CB one day and he was like, oh, wait, you'd be interested in doing something for Marvel? Like, I just assumed you were too busy. Um, and I was like, oh, I would love to do something for Marvel. That would be, that would be a lot of fun. Um, so it, and that's kind of the conversation that was like, well, what's your dream project? Um, Cap Wolf is actually the first thing I wrote for Marvel. Um, it's just the release schedule. They wanted to wait until an October release date or closer to a Halloween release date. So it's, it's going to be a fall release. But um, yeah, that was the first project I did for Marvel because it was, <laughs> I was like, well, that's, that would make me come over to Marvel for sure. Like I would love uh, to do a World War II story. And then the next day I got a call back that was like, yep, we're going to make this happen. And yeah, so that was the first thing I worked on. And then Rogan Gambit and very closely followed by Cosmic Ghost Rider. The thing that I love is that you came in and you really hit the ground running. Um, I mean, obviously, I you know, I, I, I kind of jokingly said you have a PhD, but you do. You have a PhD in rhetoric and composition. You've been teaching writing and communications and, and doing all of these things. But I got to know, like, where does your love for comics come from? Because there's a wide, wide world of things you could have written, but you seem to be having the time of your life. <laughs> um, 
you know, I don't know. I think I I really loved them as a kid. Uh, not for reading any specific storyline. I mostly liked the way, like, you know, if it was a cool cover, I was going to buy it. They got you. I, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I cannot, uh, I could never uh, talk badly about collectors that go in for variant covers or anything. Because it's like, no, I get that. <laughs> it looks cool. I like it. Um, so I was, I was definitely pulling those. And then I would say, like, as a teenager, uh, I had a friend that read a lot of comics. And uh, we'd go to, like, the comic store or the bookstore. And he'd be like, no, you need to read this one and this one. And just started, like, loading me up with stories that were really good and it was like oh wow like I I loved these as a kid and I love them even more as a teenager and in grad school I think they I think they helped me survive grad school because it was um so much reading that like the joy of reading felt like it was being sucked from me a little bit and then I would I would make it a point where I could read like a comic book when I was done doing work things uh and it felt like you know I could I could finish a one issue of something in a sitting so it felt concrete it felt like I was accomplishing something and it felt like I didn't have to commit to like you know a novel which felt really daunting uh after a full day of just like reading nonstop to be like now I'm gonna pick up a novel it was like I need I need something really really different and comics helped with that I love the fact that you're like uh one, you have a significant amount of discipline that I do not have. Uh, <laughs> two, that you're like, this is my treat for being an awesome yeah. student. I'm going <laughs> to be productive and then I am going to learn this thing. And eventually I'm going to do as a career. Um, so one of the things is, and we've kind of talked about, like comics are wibbly wobbly timey wimey and you know they have their own schedules and things come out in different orders but for a lot of folks you know your first work were cosmic ghost rider and rogue and gamut that was when they first were introduced to you at marvel you know they're so different like like you were the dude too like you could not be almost polar opposites uh corners of the marvel universe um for you where these books, I mean, you know, sometimes you get offered them, but, like, the stories themselves, that you kind of be, you know, like, immediately, okay, Ghostwriter, cool, 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 I got a story for you. Like, Rogue and Gamut, cool, 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 I know exactly where I'm going with these <laughs> characters. Yeah, um, so for Cosmic Ghostwriter, I felt like it was a character that's really different for me to take on. I don't do a lot of cosmic anything uh that's that's not my forte as a writer it's not really what i've gravitated towards as a reader um but in some ways that made it really enticing so um when i talked to the editor about it and like we had a few conversations back and forth um i was basically like this is what i would do if you don't like it uh like i i understand it's not like uh it's maybe a different take on the character it's a different take on cosmic um and if you don't like it it's totally cool. I understand. But um, I, I really didn't want to play like a let me generate 50 ideas. I was like, this is the story that I would want to write with uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider. Um, it's an editor editor I really love as well. And so it was a, it was a fun conversation with him. And he was just like, no, I, I really dig this. Let's start kind of like putting this putting this into the story and seeing where it goes. Um, so that was fun. And then Rogan Gambit. Um, that was an interesting one because there were, um, a couple of things that like the ex office 
needed to see happen in Rogue and Gambit. Like, there's something that happens in issue five, I won't spoil it, uh, that is not great for Rogue. <laughs> and, uh, and that was a moment that's like, okay, well, we need to see Rogue do a specific thing, but how she does it, how we get there. And honestly, it wasn't even like we need to see Rogue do it. It was like, we need to see this it needs thing to happen. happen. Yes. Um, and so I developed a story around it to kind of get us to that moment and, uh, you know, had Rogue do something that may not look great immediately kind of thing. So, um, but, you know, I also have the benefit of knowing where some of the other X stories are going. So, <laughs> and so it's kind it was... of interesting when it comes to Rogue and Gambit, right? Because, you know, there are some of us who are like, yeah, Rogue and Gambit. We've known this forever. It's always, that's, it makes sense. Like when Mr. and Mrs. X came out and I was like, bad damn time. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it, they can never stay out of trouble. Uh, but for the, you as as a fan like were you a fan of Rogan Gambit do you feel like you know these were characters because I think out of everything you mentioned this when you said well if the story isn't for you it isn't for you no big deal but that's a great thing about comics is like there's always a story for you there's like I believe there is an x-men for everyone mm-hmm you may not like Scott Summers, meaning I may not like Scott Summers, but I love Nightcrawler. I am a huge fan of Glob Herman, you know, and a lot of our X-Men have dated each other. They've had other romantic lives. But for you, like, do you feel like this was something where you were a fan of them before you got a chance to write the story? I was actually I was I was a fan of Gambit because of the old arcade game. I loved 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 that game. Um and uh Gambit was always my character of choice. And this was before I had ever like read an X-Men comic. I don't know. I think I just was like this dude's got a long stick and hits people like cool. I like it. I like the throwing cards. Strategically, awesome. he was one of the best like there's no hand-to-hand combat with this, with this <laughs> dude. You're not getting that close. Yeah. And if you do, you're in trouble already. Yeah. Like, Gambit's going down. <laughs> but then in comics, like, I really gravitated towards Rogue. Like, I really love the story of her coming into the X-Men. I love that relationship with Wolverine so much. And I think that's maybe what made me love her character was like this, okay, it's time to to try to, like, prove myself to the X-Men and prove that I'm no longer the bad guy. And um, I, I, I don't know. I think we were talking about, like, great characters, and I think Rogue is now seen as, like, just straight up very heroic, um, and I know there's some colored past with Captain Marvel and things like that, but this moment felt, uh, like, like in that storyline, it was like, no, she, she had to come into the X-Men from a bad place and prove herself even when people like Wolverine were very distrustful of her. And so... Uh, kind of our our twist at the end of the series, having that come from her and not Gambit, uh, was something that I, I was really hoping the X office would be okay with me doing, which I'm glad they were, because <laughs> I was like, I think I think it should actually be Rogue who who does this and kind of calls back a little bit to to her own past, but also her really troubling relationship with her mothers uh, and the fact that she would do this with very little information and like make a choice just to say, like, I trust destiny. 
so you know, for you, you've also gotten to do what I I love what if so much. Um, but what if dark venom um was kind of just <laughs> Ooh, so good. Um but also like you, I feel like you you were out to hurt people and and make them cry, uh, but also just destroy all of our beliefs. Um, not really, maybe I don't know. Were you? Um, I mean, what am I not? That, that sounds <laughs> fair. Um, so why did you why did you choose this particular you know altar? Why did why did you decide to go? What if this? <laughs> um. Well, I was asked if I wanted to do What If Venom, um, and that was another one where I was like, there were a couple of people that I was like, all right, well, what is the the kind of, like, what if that I would do from, um, like, what character might have the symbiote or something like that? I love Ben Grimm. Uh, I think he's great. I like the Fantastic Four in general, so um, it was kind of cool. he to, like, looks so good in the black suit. So <laughs> like, literally, I just stopped and I was like, I get it. Spider-Man, black suit. That's so cool. Venom, yes. you're so cool. But this fantastic <laughs> four black suit, we need to talk. This is <laughs> this is it. This right here. I was so excited about that. I mean, that was one of the things that, like, uh, we definitely wanted to consider visually who would look really cool with that. Uh, it's not the only consideration, but you know, when you're trying to give something cool to an artist to make them really excited, it was like, I'm really glad that we get to have this conversation with an artist and be like, oh, and you get to venomize Ben Grimm. So <laughs> welcome aboard. Um, uh, I think yeah. my only other favorite venomization uh, between that, and I believe it's only in a figurine, which is venomized Groot, venomized baby Groot. Oh my gosh! I have not seen that. I have to go find that. Kind of adorably frightening, and frighteningly <laughs> adorable. Um, so for you, in choosing Ben, like, what was it about his personality that made sense to be this alter? I love the storylines about, uh, you know, Ben Grimm wanting to be human, um, kind of always with a bit of a grudge on his shoulder. Uh, about the fact that out of the Fantastic Four, when they get abilities, he's turned into something that looks more monstrous than man, uh, which, you know, that's been a recurring thing with with Ben Grimm, and I, I love that. Um, I think it's a really interesting, like, Jekyll and Hyde, monsters, that stuff is, is really cool to me. So, like, take a monster and give them another monster, and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and it also plays on, uh, like, you know, the symbiote is going to heighten that emotion. So if he's already feeling angry towards Reed Richards, angry about his entire predicament and the fact that he gets to turn human again because of the symbiote, he would do anything to protect that. And it all goes horribly wrong, uh, of course. Um, I was going to say, that is the only way it could go is right. <laughs> horribly wrong. Um, and I love the fact you uh, you brought up Reed, and we do get to see both Sue and Reed in the story, but we didn't get to see Johnny Storm. No, initially he was in the script. Um, he he was removed for a space reason, which there was another thread in the story about Alicia, because uh, you know this time period is when there's kind of a bit of a love triangle between uh, Johnny Ben and Alicia, and oh, there's Johnny. like. Oh, 
Yeah. There's a lot of animosity that in originally got hyped up between Ben and Johnny, and that played out a little bit more. Uh, but ultimately, we kind of made a decision that was like, I think it's more important to give more space to the Reed Richards thing, given the ending of that story, um, because we wanted that to be as impactful as possible. Um, so it was like, okay, well, we we can't really have both. It's a <laughs> it's a one shot, so we we don't get to like. Oh, man, I wish that could be a series because that would be that would be something I I definitely add back. I would in. buy. I would I would I would buy. But you know, for you, what is What's next? Um, well, there, there's definitely uh, a new thing in the works that I can't talk about yet. But uh, Cap Wolf, so that one is is going to be exciting uh, for me because again, this is uh, this is the exact story that I, I just really wanted to do at Marvel. So I'm really excited about this one. Well, I'm excited for everything you've got coming out, all the stuff you've done, and all the stuff that's still in your brain, because I feel like you got a lot of stories up there. Stephanie Phillips, thank you so much for being on This Week in Marvel. Yeah, thank you for having me. That was Stephanie Phillips. Cap Wolf and the Howling Commandos number one is available right now. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, We love it. We love it. We also love our community. And it's time for This Week in Messages. Yeah. So uh, our guest next week is authors of Marvel Studios, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, an official timeline. That's Anthony Bresnikan, Amy Radcliffe, and the Rebecca Theodore Vachon. Um... What a team to put this together. And honestly, I got to say, when it comes to the MCU timeline, it would have to take a team. So one of the things that we're really curious about, because as we know, the official Marvel timeline being the world outside of our window covers a lot of things, right? So we've, you know, in certain places, we've got the Howling Commandos. We've got, you know, the origin of Captain America, Steve Rogers in the 1940s. We got so many things that are across the MCU timeline. And so we're wondering, do you have a favorite time, a favorite era, a favorite moment? Um, Do, you know, Howard Stark also has his moment uh, in the MCU timeline. Do you have a favorite era in the MCU timeline? That's really tough because there's some... I do. I know what it is. Get it? Go, go, go. Like, it is definitely right after... World War II in the beginning of the SSR Mm -hmm. and all of the stuff that happened um, in the beginning of the building of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because what I also love is when we go back to the SSR, which was before S.H.I.E.L.D. I I love the fact that even in some of the movies, we go back to like SSR, like old bunkers, um, a.k.a. where we found Artem Zola. also, I'm just a huge fan of Artem Zola and him still being alive and the fact that the SSR, like, we're like, hey, we flipped you. You should come and work for us. Uh, so I love that part of the MCU timeline and how many times we go back um, and see, like, these old bunkers or, like, visit Howard Stark and Hank Pym when they're young men. Like, that's, like, my favorite is, like, digging into what got us here um, in general. Yeah. Uh, 
great question. I was thinking about the, the Agent Carter of it all, too. It's, it's, it's a great answer. It's so good. Um, I think I would go with those, like, formative Avengers period. So, you know, when you go from when Nick Fury comes to uh, comes to Iron Man and tells him about the Avenger initiative, and then, you know, he's, he's already recruited or is recruiting, like, Natasha and Clint, and then they build to getting the Avengers together in Marvel's yeah. Avengers, that first film. Like, there's just that energy around bringing all those pieces together and then that formation. I it just... Yeah. Something so... So exciting. And I love it because, like, every time he puts down, a like, a manila folder and then opens <laughs> it up, you're like, who's in the folder? So good. Uh, there's a lot there. We want to hear from you. You can tweet your answers using hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel. Email them to twinpodcast at marvel.com or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thisweekinmarvel. Please make sure to tell us it is okay to reach him on the show so we can read it on the show. And now, last week's question of the week, you gave us some answers. What news or announcement coming out of New York Comic-Con are you most excited about? First up, we got Aquamander at Aquamander, who said, For me, it's the Ultimate Universe reveals at New York Comic-Con that has me so incredibly excited. Ultimate Spider-Man is my most anticipated of the line, but X-Men and Black Panther look exciting as well. I can't wait to see how this line expands in new and thrilling ways. Well said. We also got a tweet from Mountain Meg, one of our faves. Uh, My This Week in Marvel favorite announcement at New York Comic Con was the Marvel X VV Funko 18-inch Iron Man figure lineup. They all look incredible. So great to see the first Marvel figure in the Funko Gold line. Loved seeing this live on Twitch. They're literally huge they are big figures yes we got an email from carol who said my favorite piece of news coming out of new york comic-con is the fall of the house of x and rise of the powers of x i'm also ridiculously excited for the resurrection of magneto that is 100 going on my pull list i'm also very excited for loki's new infinity comic the new infinity pause series and the scarlet witch and quicksilver miniseries also just a side note the cosplay from new york comic-con was fan Stick, and I love the Women of Marvel cover this year so, so much. Thank you, Carol, for that wonderful email. I feel like Carol should have just done the entire show. That was amazing. <laughs> well yeah. done. Uh, and this week, as we promised, there is a Marvel Insider Code, and that Insider Code is CAP-WOLF. That's CAP-WOLF. And you'll receive 5,000 Marvel Insider points when you enter it in the This Week in Marvel podcast code REDEEM, activity at marvel.com slash insider. Limited number of redemptions available. One redemption code per Marvel Insider. Marvel Insider is open to U.S. residents 18 plus only, and terms apply. Get those points. This episode of This Week in Marvel is produced by Jasmine Estrada, Isabel Robertson, Ryan Panagos, and Angelique Rochet. Our senior manager, audio production and development, is Brad Barton. Emily Godfrey is our production manager. Special thanks to all you ghouls and gals out there and werewolves in hiding. <laughs> also, extra special thanks to all the This Week in Marvel listeners uh, that I saw. Look forward to seeing you at the next shows. But until then, I'm Ryan. I'm Angelique. This is Marvel. Your universe.